Broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago, state of Illinois. Thanks, people, for uh, thank you 
for joining me. Thank you for um, your accolades of the show, and thank you for your criticism. Uh, I don't mind criticism. Donald Trump can't take it. <laughs> anyway, it's a beautiful day in the city of Chicago. I hope it's a beautiful day where you are, and I hope everything is fine. You're not feeling depressed, sorry, worried, or scared because of the you know the fate of America in the hands of a buffoon, an idiot, a clown, a dumbass. You know, um, just don't remember to be assertive and take action. You know, there. Uh, you know, I mean, this is what we have to do. We have a clown, an idiot, a buffoon in the White House. Somebody who's who's unfit, illegitimate, fake president, and it's been proven he's a fake president. He's an illegitimate president. He's a he's a criminal. But yet we have a Congress that will do nothing. Stand there and let this man just have at it. And everybody knows who, everybody who's anybody knows that Donald Trump, anything that this guy touches, he fucks it up. And now he's got his hands, for two years he's had his hands on America, and he just has fucked it up. And he's fucking it up even more. While these jackasses who have the power to do something, they do nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Anyway, uh, that's a great way to start off the show, you think, folks? All right. Uh, on my marquee, it says comedian Chuck Royal. We'll, we'll see if that happens, okay? Uh, we'll be on the show today. Um, you know, it would be a nice diversion away from <laughs> the standard topic of the show, right? Um, but, you know, I mean, I have to talk about what's going on in the world. And I have to talk about my feelings on what's going on in the world. Uh, it just behooves me that so many people out here are are uh, defending this guy. They, so many people are defending Donald Trump. They're on his side. And the people who are defending Donald Trump get this. The people who are defending Mr. Trump are the ones that are being hurt most by his policies. I've heard some farmers say who are losing their farms that they've had over 30 or 40 years over because of Donald Trump's tariffs and his uh, trade wars with uh, parts of the world. They say that, well, they're losing their farms, they're losing their ranches, they're mm -hmm. losing everything, but they feel that Donald Trump is, uh, is trying to do the best for them. And in the long run, maybe they'll, you know, it'll get better. These people are delusional just as much as Donald Trump is. They're losing everything. They've lost. Some people have lost a lot of uh, all their – everything that, that they've worked for all of their lives under the policies of Donald Trump. And they, they're still defending this man. They're still – they're going to vote for him. Wow. This is, this is astonishing. Obviously, there's a lot of people who aren't on Donald Trump's side no more. They voted for him, and they decided that they made a big-ass mistake, and I do agree with them. Uh, but you got the stupid you got the stupid and the dumb and, and the uneducated who are out here saying that they're, well, he's he doing the best he can, even though he done took away all our food and took away all the money in the bank, but we still believe in Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't give a damn if you drop dead, even though you've supported him. He doesn't care. 
Donald Trump cares about one person and one person only, and you know who I'm talking about. Donald Trump cares about only himself, himself, using the White House as his piggy bank. You know, and now I'm looking on Huffington Post saying that Donald Trump is trying to get revenge against his critics. He's done this. This has been uh, talked about before a few months ago when Donald Trump was trying to get revenge or trying to scare people who were on social media, Facebook in particular, who were um, criticizing him. He was coming after us because <laughs> we were saying awful things about him on Facebook. He didn't like it. Uh, now he's going up, going after some top-level people in the White House who are criticizing him. You know, Donald Trump is ignorant. I'm criticizing him. People all over the world are criticizing him, saying he's a buffoon, an idiot, unfit, an illegitimate president. Why don't he jump in their asses? Why does he have to uh, bother the people in the United States? Everybody who's anybody around the world is criticizing Donald Trump. They don't even want Donald Trump in their country. They're criticizing him. They're saying that he's a, a traitor, an asshole, breaking up families, a liar, and he is a stone-cold liar. Critic- uh, 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 what are you going to do with people over uh, in uh, other countries who are criticizing you? And, and I have to say, a lot of the people who criticize Donald Trump say things, they are spot on, dead on the money. Donald Trump can't stand the truth to be said about him, even if it is the truth. He's, he's one of those guys and, uh, who cannot stand the truth. The truth hurts. If someone writes the truth in the newspaper, he calls it, he calls it fake news. This is the worst presidency in the history of the world is Donald Trump and it just gets worse every day. This morning he as every morning he throws out a Twitter storm. He doesn't tweet tweet once or twice or three times. This asshole tweets seven or eight times, 10 times a day all at once. He tweets and talks out of his ass. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And a lot of his tweets and the things that he says, the outrageous things that he says, all he does is try to distract you from some other scandal that's been ignited by him or his administration or someone in his administration. If we're talking about Michael Cohen, Trump is going to try to get you to stop focusing on that particular topic. And focus on that he's going to cut Social Security, Medicare, and all this stuff. You want, or if he's, if you if you're looking listening to Michael Avenatti, one of the prosecutors, or if you're listening to Stormy Daniels, he's going to try and divert you on into something else. And we we're going to try to evoke these guys' security clearance because they don't like the president. He's always trying to divert. Donald Trump loves power. That's the reason why he hasn't resigned. He loves power, even though he doesn't have much of it. He's abused a lot of it, but he loves being in power. He loves being president, even though he's not fit to be president. He's not. Uh, he doesn't have the temperament and the educational uh, background to be president. He doesn't have sophistication. <laughs> he doesn't have shit. He seems. I've said this a thousand times. Donald Trump. Is, 
acts like he should be instead of being in the White House as president, he should be on the street corner somewhere selling watches, you know, <laughs> or something, you know, a snake oil or something. He's no president. He's a con man. And if you are criticizing him and if he thinks he can do something about it, he's going to do something about it. Donald Trump doesn't believe he's president. He thinks he's king. And the way, I mean, I don't know if you saw that Helsinki, Finland uh, uh, summit. It was awful. Donald Trump went against his own country, and these people are trying to say he did not. We saw it for ourselves. He looked weak. If it wasn't for the podium, he would have fell on his ass uh, because it was holding him up. Uh, he looked like he looked tired. He looked weak. He looked out of it. He looked confused, as if he didn't really know where he was. And he, Putin, he's Putin poodle. And now, as of today, he's going to try to take away security clearance from people who criticize him. People who criticize him talk about him and and says he's unfit, which he is, he's going to try and ruin them. He's going to try and take their jobs away or just like the press. He tried to, uh, uh, the press was criticizing him, uh, rightly so, and he wanted to take away their press credentials. He wants to get rid of him. Anybody who says anything nasty about this dumb fuck, he wants to try to get rid of him. Folks, this is the worst presidency in the history of presidents. This is Trump is looking into revoking security clearances of former official officials critical of him. So when it says that Donald Trump is fighting against Americans, he is. Donald Trump has always had a war on America. That's why he sided with Russia and Putin at this summit, Helsinki summit, where he gave away America, where he betrayed America for Russia and he did it and he did it on purpose he tried to back he tried to backtrack it but the more he backtracked the more he fell into being a traitor on national world television he was a traitor and did you see this debacle in London where he was walking ahead of the queen and 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 he does that he didn't want the queen to get any tv time or facetime he wanted it all the man is just a piece of shit. Sorry for my language, uh, colorful language, but, you know, we just have to do something about this idiot of a man, of a president. Now, maybe he wants to it, revoke my security clearance. So what are you going to do about all the critics who he can't revoke their security clearance? Donald Trump doesn't understand the Constitution, or either he just he just doesn't give a damn about the Constitution. The Constitution says there's a freedom of speech, the freedom of press. Donald Trump doesn't give a damn, and he's the worst president, and he is not my president. He does not represent me. I would not have a buffoon, a weak-ass, uh, a pathetic-ass man like this representing me. And I would like to say I am so glad, so glad that people are now starting to take their country back. They're protesting every day in front of the White House in Washington, D.C., chanting, lock him up. Okay, let's uh, go a little bit more into uh, the security clearance. 
Donald Trump looking into revoking security clearances of former officials critical of him. The president is considering changing that changes that will affect former CIA director John Brennan and former FBI director uh, James Comey. John Brenner is a Democrat. Comey is a Republican. So Donald Trump doesn't give a damn which party you're from. If you're criticizing him, he doesn't give a damn which party you're from. He doesn't care who you are, where you are, what you have, what you don't have. If you're critical of him, he's going to come after you in some way, in some kind of way. He may send goons out, <laughs> his goons out somewhere to find you, you know, and uh, threaten you. This is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a mobster. He's a gangster. He's a thug. He's a he's the godfather in the White House. You know, his lawyers, his his lawyers, uh, uh, be damned. Okay, President Donald Trump is considering revoking this. I'm I'm on Huffington Post in case you want to know. Uh, President Donald Trump is considering revoking the security clearance of former intelligence officials who have criticized him and have been the targets of some of his relentless attacks. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, when he attacks you, it's relentless. And the majority of the time, if he attacks you, it's on Twitter. This man is crazy. He tweets out policy uh, uh, on Twitter. Policy on Twitter. The officials uh, included uh, the former CIA the Former CIA director, as mentioned, John Brenneman, FBI director James Comey, former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, uh, former CIA and national security agency director, Michael Hayden, former national security advisor, Susan Rice. She was she worked on Obama and former FBI director, Andrew McCabe, White House press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders told reporters Monday. So these people saying that all these people is criticizing Trump, basically saying he's unfit for office. He wants to take away their security clearance because they criticizing him. And Trump attacks them daily on Twitter. You know what? Trump uh, uh, attacks folks on Twitter. And actually, nobody pays attention. People read it. The press read it. The media reads it because they have to. It's their job to read stuff and print it. Uh, and give their opinion on what's, uh, uh, what he tweets. It's their job. Myself, I don't read his tweets. I don't read his tweets because they're crazy. They're, they're not written properly. A lot of grammar, misspellings. Uh, they're all over the place. The man is crazy. The man is delusional. The man needs to be put away in a straitjacket somewhere. That He doesn't need to be in the White House. I know there's people out there, well, George, I don't agree with you. I think he's a great president. Well, then you take him. <laughs> if you think he's a great president, let him come live in your house. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're that crazy about Donald Trump, then let him come live in your house. Okay, I'm quoting Sarah Huckabee Sanders here. The president doesn't like the fact that people are politicizing uh, uh, agencies, departments. Oh, the fuck with the hell with what Donald Trump like. Donald Trump gives the people, the American people, the finger every single day. We get the finger from Donald Trump. And I, I, I want to say, I want to thank those people who are out there in Washington, D.C. If you, if you 
if you are listening to me live right now or you're going to be listening later once the show is podcasted, um, downloaded and recorded, uh, I want to thank those folks in Washington, D.C. I mean, they are out there in front of us. in front of the Washington, in front of the White House, behind the gates, uh, but it's, it's hundreds. I saw hundreds. I saw hundreds of people. I mean, I saw this on the on, on the um, computer um, on the website somewhere, and this is true. This is true. Uh, there's no fake news on the George Wilder Jr. show. This is true, and I want to thank all those folks out there protesting and chanting "Lock him up." Yeah, uh, they were chanting "Lock him up, lock him up." While Trump and Melania was entering the White House. Yeah, so he heard it. <laughs> he heard it. And I know he wants to hang those people out there, those protesters who are saying lock him up, because he doesn't like criticism. Trump cannot take criticism. He, he, he's ready to come back at you. But the reason why he can't do it, he's not king. He's not a dictator. The Constitution says there's freedom of, freedom of assembly, freedom of protest freedom of speech and that tears his ass and this man is nothing but a Putin puppet a Putin lap dog and then he brings his ass back to the United States and expect us to treat him like he's a king after he done kissed Putin ass on national world television and made and made and made America look so weak so weak. He is not our president. He was put in by Russia, gerrymandering, electoral college, and just cheating. And people have to realize that. And now he's a thug. And if he makes it to 2020, and I don't know this, he might wind up going to trial. He may, yeah, he may get uh, indicted and have to go to trial. So if he's, if he's indicted and has to go to trial, then his presidency is clearly over, clearly over. And he's guilty. Even if he's not guilty and he goes to trial, his presidency is over. Because there's some evidence of wrongdoing, and it's been evidence of wrongdoing for a long time. Mueller Bob Mueller, the special counsel, into the investigation into Russia meddling and collusion. He has it all. I believe he has Donald Trump's tax taxes, where he is money laundering. And Russia, he's in it for Russia. He owes Russia probably millions and trillions of dollars. That is why he will not let us see his tax returns. People should not, American people should not stop should not relent on asking this buffoon for his tax returns because if we see them, we're going to see clearly, clearly violations of the law. All right, you've been listening to George Wilder Jr. show on Block Talk Radio. Folks, as you can tell, I'm talking my ass off. <laughs> That's because I'm, I'm, um, you know, I, I'm, uh, uh, um, pumped, I guess. I'm pumped. And, uh, it's just a great thing to be back. It's a great thing to uh, uh, to be back, to starting off a brand new week of the show. We're going to have hopefully have some great guests. I haven't really actually booked anybody yet, so it's going to probably be late in the month where um, guests uh, will appear on the show. 
and I'm pretty. I, I always love having guests on the show because I learn so much from them, and that's what this show is all about: knowledge, uh, acquiring knowledge. If I learn, I know you learn, and and we never stop learning, people. We never stop learning. Learning is a lifelong endeavor. I don't care if you're 95 years old. I mean, you can still learn something. You know, big, but because there's a, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. A lot of people don't know a damn thing, and they're proud of it. They're proud to be stupid, and that is the truth. Some people are just proud to be stupid, and those are the kind of people you do not want to be around. Um. All right, we're going to take a musical break, and people keep talking to me about, George, you should get some sponsors on your show. You should have some some uh, commercials or t- ads on your show because you will get paid. I'm always looking into that. I'm always looking into that. So that could happen at some point sometime, but you know, I don't want my show tied up with a bunch of advertisers and sponsors and all this kind of stuff. It would kind of delete some things in the show, don't you think? It water down the show a little bit. Yeah, but you'll be making so much money. Well, how do you know? All right, we will be right back. Uh, we're going to do this. Squash story. You're saying they wanted to protect? 
Donald Trump. I'm assuming so, yeah. If Donald Trump hadn't been running for president, do you believe this deal would have been made with AMI? Knowing what you know now. Probably not. No. Probably not. You're pretty convinced, you're convinced now this was an effort to do a favor for Donald Trump in the last few months of the presidential race. Unfortunately, yes. Karen McDougall talking to Anderson Cooper this spring about the efforts by AMI and the National Enquirer to pay her to not talk about any relationship she had with Donald Trump. We want to talk about that now in the wake of this Michael Cohen tape with our chief legal analyst, Dan Abrams, attorney Michael Avenatti, who represents Stormy Daniels in her case against President Trump. And All righty, we'll get back to that. I think we have someone here. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Good afternoon. It's Chuck Roy calling in to say hello. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Chuck Royal, and you are a comedian. Right. Huh? Yeah, out of Denver, Colorado. My last name is Roy, R-O-Y. Just Roy? Yep, just Chuck Roy. Okay, I got uh, someone added an O to your last name. Okay, we'll get that straight. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Uh, well, nice to meet you all. Yeah, nice to meet you too, man. We're in Chicago, man, and it's beautiful. It is great. I mean, it the summer has been just beautiful as long as the rain stays away, you know. And oh, you're uh, lucky. so, give, we're lucky. I'm uh, I am west of you in Denver, and it is raining, so uh-huh. that might be on the way. Yeah, it might be on the way. Sure. I know it was raining here a few days ago, and uh, it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's not hot. It's not. It's not. You know. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's a day to be outside to enjoy yourself, just to, you know, to uh, see what nature has to offer. So, uh, Chuck Roy on the George Wilder Jr. Show, give us a little bit of your bio and tell us how funny you are. Well, I'm extremely funny, first of all. Uh, okay. uh, I teach comedy at the Community College of Denver and uh-huh. uh, um, have appearances in several movies, including Ralphie Mae, Filthy Animal Tour, and Louis Anderson okay. Presents. Um, I go all the way back to, I started performing first in Boston, uh, mm-hmm. as a young New Hampshire kid and, uh, flunked out of college and became a comedian. Wow. Well, you know, some comedians, they, um, I mean, if, uh, grade school, college, some of them are before they actually get into comedian, uh, uh, being a comedian on stage and making people laugh, they always were considered the class clown. Were you that? Uh, no, I was a state student council president and uh-huh. uh, president of the future business leaders of America. I was a total nerd. And <laughs> so you um, weren't a cutout. You were not a cutout. Right. Friends say <laughs> I was funny, um, and. Certainly, I, I, you know, was funny enough to have people say you should be a comedian. But uh, in high school, I was already active in politics in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. uh, If you get active in politics, then it doesn't take long to be active in presidential politics because we have that first in the nation primary. So um, I uh, volunteered for a guy running for Congress and then uh, by the time I was out of high school and into college I was clerking for the former congressman uh, for his political action committee and so Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I was uh, coming out of the closet and working for the guy who was running Pat Buchanan's campaign which 
yeah. uh, in the world of uh, Stephen Covey books, they say uh, you were climbing really hard up the wrong ladder. So uh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> uh, you know, it connected with me. Yeah. You, you know, uh, um, I, I have my, uh, you know, certain political beliefs, but uh, they certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, no longer seemed to line up with uh, the party I was working with or the people I was trying to support. And um, I think I'm very lucky to have uh, escaped the world of politics and gotten into the world of stand-up comedy. It's it's the greatest decision I think I've ever made in my life. You know what, man? I agree with you. I mean, uh, uh, the world is just so screwed up and it's, Politically, it's so screwed up. You want to try and try to uh, get away from it, get away from it if you can, you know. But some right. people can, some I, I people can't. I mean, I'd can't. like to be part of a solution, and yeah. that's what my, you know, my politics are based on solutions, and that's mm-hmm. not what politics is about. Politics is—they're not trying to solve anything; they're trying to win power games, and that. Yeah. You know, they, they want to, it, it seems to me no matter who or what side you you end up lining up with, they're really just in a you know a fighting match about who's got power and then yeah, what can yeah. it, 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 you know what they do with it isn't necessarily a solution. No, it, it's 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 messed up. It's uh, it's all screwed up. And uh, but we, some of us out here are still trying to make a better place every day. Hang in there and do that. Um, so, are you into? You say you 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 you're into educating and teaching people how to be funny. Yeah, I, um, I teach comedy at the Community College of Denver, and I also mm-hmm. have an online website that I'm developing to teach comedy at. It is uh, mm-hmm. uh, comedy101.chuckroy.com, and uh, it. it, it it's really fun to be part of solving that mystery for people. Uh, yeah. Folks who want to try comedy, they have ideas, and sometimes they just need some help learning how comedians do what we do. And so uh, I really like being a part of that process uh, and like teaching folks, uh, say, you know, not only how to write a joke, but more importantly, how to write the jokes they were dreaming of writing and really wanted to write. Therefore, and they do it. Chuck, I don't mean to oh, step on you. Therefore, no one is born to be a comedian. You learn over time. Well, you know, uh, I would say that's pretty true for a lot of comedians. And then, you know, Tracy Morgan was born to be a mm-hmm. comedian. You know, uh, I, I I never try to lay down a rule because it's just like I end up knowing somebody who breaks that rule. But um, a lot of times people will say, like, don't you have to be born funny? And I say, no, not really. It is a skill that you can learn. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. it takes an awful lot of work. So, you know, whether yeah. you're born funny or not, if, you, if you're not willing to put in the work, um, you might have been born the funniest person ever, but I believe other people can out-hustle you if you're not willing to, uh, you know, go to the shows and keep trying to improve yeah. your act. 
and get better at what you do. Yeah. Um, my son wanted to be a comedian and, and uh, he was quite funny, but then he became unfunny. <laughs> so, wow. What do you think happened yeah. there? Was it the choice of I, things I that he was talking about or? He, he, uh, he was kind of funny. He was funny. He was funny, but he just, I don't know. He fell out of it. I, I, I was sad that he did, you know, but uh, uh, sometimes he just, makes you think that he's interested in this and that. And then all of a sudden you find out that he isn't, but I, I thought it was quite funny, but uh, you know, but I don't know, you know, maybe I think he'll... that's fair. I, I, I think it's really fair to give it a shot and yeah. make that decision. Of, this is not for me or this is for me. Uh, and, you know, as a dad, you might want to be real relieved in that. I mean, the first 10 years, just they don't pay, you know, your first five years, good luck earning a profit. And, um, <laughs> it, you know, I th- I've known yeah. several people who, you know, I can think of one in particular who started and was super funny and I was booking him on my shows. And then, yeah. you know, he was a brain scientist. Uh, so he's in school and, and studying to work on, you know, researching the brain. So he, he wow. just, the money he could make in the world of brain research was phenomenal. And the money he could make for a comedy show was brutal. And they both took almost as much work, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you, you gotta, so he made a decision. Yourself, so. Yeah. made a decision. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's, uh, you know, people that he was peers with have gone on to have TV shows and such, but, wow, uh, okay. you know, uh, really hard to decide when you're young like, and you have that world of opportunity ahead of you. Like, yeah. Am I really going to stay with this? It takes so much yeah. work. Uh, it is such a, so, you know, it's a challenge. So yeah, I think it's fair for people to decide they want out. Chuck, I can tell you this. People love to laugh. They love to laugh. And if you can make them laugh, you guys are friends for life. People love people who make them laugh, even if it's unintentional. I think that's that's really true. Uh, And I think there are uh, lots of ways in which you can just try to be funny uh, without – you know, having to get into the world of comedy and, uh, you know, if, if you like working with people, take an improv class and see if that doesn't, you know, help you lighten up or work quicker on your Mm -hmm. feet or, uh, you know, the thing about stand up is it's about being original as well as being funny. And I love that part. Like you can't do somebody else's joke and be a Do your own comedian. Joke, yeah. So you've got to create your own thing and be funny. And yeah, I, I, yeah. that to me is just one of the best ways of being funny is, you know, to take ideas and convert them into laughter from other people uh, without, yeah. you know, quoting movies or doing impressions of yeah. TV stars and such. Oh. Um, not to discount yeah. that. There's plenty of people who are funny at a party that way mm-hmm. you know they quote the funniest movie and everybody laughs and 
it's good for you. You know, the research will show that uh, laughter is healthy. Laughter is is. funny. uh, It improves relationships. Uh, It does. (laughs) I happen to be working on a speech about, you know, the effectiveness of humor. And the studies are there that really say humor improves, you know, health and such. And uh, it can also improve communication and relationship. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you and, of course, yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a single guy, you don't have a girl, just go out and find somebody you can make laugh. And, hey, wow, <laughs> yeah, you're going to get laid. It's really, <laughs> it's really true. And uh, on the other hand, it's, uh, if they get your jokes, that's also yeah, yeah. a real good signal. That you're communicating yeah. well, and that you've got exactly. a way of communicating, and yeah. uh, I think it's it's super powerful. And you know, uh, it's just uh, yeah. you know, if you're in a relationship and the other person is laughing at you, maybe that's not the best. That's not good. That's <laughs> not. You want them laughing with you. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, Chuck Roy on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Have you written about this? Have you put this down on paper on how to be a great comedian or something similar? Uh, there, I have some YouTube videos. Uh, you can search uh-huh. my name and how to write a joke. Um, so, okay, how to uh, write a joke. All right. right. And um, I'm developing more of that material on my uh-huh. website at comedy101.chuckroy.com. Folks are suggesting mm-hmm. to me to write a book. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm very much in favor of that. I, I feel like mm-hmm. the first generation of what I write will be content for the classes on my website um, mm-hmm. because I'm able to target right to people who are trying to learn how to be a stand-up comedian, and uh, and it's. A lot of it is brand new to me. The the idea of teaching and getting the concepts across. Um, another, uh, I've been asked to speak to speak at an uh, education group next year and do their keynote uh-huh. address. Mm-hmm. And um, the title of the speech is called "Teaching the Impossible," and it it's kind of where I cover one: how do I do something impossible like teaching comedy, and I you know break it down and share with people. Mm-hmm. Exactly how they can do something, you know, like teach an impossible subject. And the other speech I'm working on is laugh and change the world. And it's a lot about the benefits of laughter. And, you know, as I approach each Uh one of these projects, there are advisors, mentors, and peers, and people like yourself who suggest things like this has got to be a book. And uh, (laughs) it does. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, you, know, you doing, reach a broader audience, I think. I think so. That's for sure. Uh, a good mm-hmm. friend and comedian, Don Barnhart, just suggested that, you know, I really take a look at public speaking mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. like public yeah. speaking classes. And yeah. uh, the the holdup is that I'm, I flunked out of college. So uh I'm back in school trying to get my degrees so that mm, I can yeah. teach other courses. So uh for example this summer I'm working on my public speaking credit and 
just going to take time for me to sort of conquer uh, getting a master's yeah. degree. I, I don't even have an yeah. associate. So uh, yeah. by the end of this year, hopefully I'll have an associate if I can conquer algebra and calculus, my God. And then uh, <laughs> after that, the plan is a degree in entrepreneurialism and then a master's, yeah. hopefully in something like entertainment management. And that's really so I yeah. can build show business. So you're classes. taking this. So you're taking this very, very serious. You think you, you t- I mean, you're, you're covering it from every angle. Uh, yeah, you want to make. Go ahead. The way I can describe it is when I was a kid, and I mean, you know, in my twenties, and I did a bunch of TV shows. I appeared on Will and Grace, yeah. and later on that season, I appeared on Third Rock from the Sun. And when all was oh, yeah. done, <laughs> that's the, a funny show. The best, very funny, and super awesome to be a part yeah. of. And the best way I could yeah. describe it was each time you're on one of those shows, it's like a roller coaster. Not only do you wow. do the show, you record it, and then at some point it comes out. But then as yeah. a comedian, I had an agent and was able to tour. So there's this giant ride uh, that that you go on. And um, I didn't have any notice. Uh, there was no plan. Uh, I just I booked a commercial, and the gang at Will & Grace said, just one day, somebody, Michael Patrick King, one of their writers, wrote an episode and included a little popcorn vendor role for May. And so I was at my temp job, and suddenly I'm at Will & Grace with a, a little, you know, like an attaboy. They were just really giving me a, a small part to help further my career. And then I turned that into Third Rock from the Sun, and then yeah. after everything was over, I described it sort of like being in a theme park and then I moved to Denver, and that was kind of a decision like you can leave the theme park if you don't want it. And uh, as soon as I got into this teaching thing, it was like I could hear the click, click, click of the roller coaster going back up. And I went, this is <laughs> you can make a decision here about how long do you want to do this and what level do I want to do this at. And it, it, it is so fun to connect with students and you know, teach them the art of comedy. But then at a community college, they got, they, they're, you know, they have either goals and they're achieving them or they don't know what their goals are. And you can pull them aside and have a conversation and try to change their journey. You, you know, if they're flunking yeah. my class, it's, it's really can be up to me to decide to pull them aside and say, you're struggling with a community college comedy class and you, you probably need to take life and your education more seriously and yeah, then help yeah. them find that major that is going to get them a job. You know, you want to get them connected yeah. to a job and yeah, uh, paycheck. <laughs> I keep, yeah. You know, so I, I, I keep mm-hmm. getting opportunities to join committees and I, you know, yeah. I, I take, I'm active on those and then, now I'm getting the opportunity to, to go to conferences in order to learn how to be a better teacher okay. or teach online better. And then okay. at those conferences, they find out I'm a comedian. So they're like, why don't you tell some jokes? And so <laughs> I think I told the gayest jokes that have ever been said at the e-learning consortium of Colorado. And, you know, folks just have asked <laughs> yeah. me to move further and, consider how to keynote and put on workshops 
and try to help teachers figure out how they can do something extremely difficult or change up their classroom and get student attention. Uh, You know, at some point I'd like to speak at Harvard, you know, I'm not afraid. It could happen. It could happen. (laughs) Oh, I believe, you know, and Oxford and the rest. Yeah. uh, Talking to educators. uh, Super fun. I've always heard, I've always heard that comedians, uh, we're very, very, very intelligent people, but they don't show it on stage. Oh yeah, that's really true. You, you know, <laughs> and again, it's—I yeah. wouldn't say all, but you know, there's plenty. And it, it, what it is is it's—it's it's like that street smarts. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're you, able you, to take a look at a subject and figure it out and find out what's funny about it and. Green room yeah. conversations with, and, and you know, I can. I've worked with Tracy Morgan, uh, Wanda Sykes, Kathleen Madigan, Brian Regan, uh, Ralph May put me in his movies, and we would talk comedy. Uh, John Heffron, one of my favorites to talk comedy with, and then we can get into talking politics, economics. Uh, yeah, social yeah. issues, uh, science. Uh, it, it 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 depends on the other person's personality. Uh, a conversation mm-hmm. with Hal Sparks, uh, the comedian, oh, yeah, is just yeah, yeah. so. I think he had a radio so show brilliant. at one point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he's able to sometimes put yeah. his his super smartest stuff into material. But, you know, frankly, on a Friday night, folks in the crowd got up early. They worked all day. They they just want to drink, eat some food, and laugh, laugh, laugh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) We want to try to escape reality. Yeah, they don't want to have to download a booklet and study before they go to the show, you know. But but uh, I do think you're right. The comedians are are very smart, and it's it takes uh, you have to be able to look at a topic and get people to laugh in a way that they couldn't think of themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, very funny people are also in the audience and. They're yeah, smart. Exactly. They got good jobs, yeah. and they do not want to be able to guess your punchline, but you know, before yeah. you say it, they they want to be surprised yeah. at the take that you you took on an issue, and exactly. I think that's one of the most fun parts. Uh, Chuck, we're running out of time. Can you tell us where we can uh, uh, get in touch with you, and if you're going to do that book or not, or which I think you will, uh, give us a little bit where we can find you and get in touch with you, and how to. How can oh, we uh, 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 apply to your comedy, whether we're in Denver right. or in Chicago or, or Texas? How do so we from, apply to be, be there? Go ahead. Right. From anywhere online, go to comedy101.chuckroy.com, mm-hmm. and please sign up for the newsletter. Um, if you mm-hmm. have a specific question, use the contact form there. And connect with me, you know, uh, if you want to email me, Chuck at ChuckRoy.com. And please reference the George Wilder show so I know, you know, how we got connected. And I will report back that I heard from somebody. And um, on Facebook. Are you on uh, Facebook? Okay, I was going to say Facebook. 
And we have a, a little Comedy 101 Facebook page. So that's facebook.com yeah. slash uh-huh. Comedy 101 Online. And same for okay. Twitter, Comedy 101 Online. And uh, it, it, a lot of it is somewhat new and under con- some, some are under construction. So, you know, okay. if, if you're urgent and you really want to get a hold of me, shoot an email. And if you put in the subject okay. line, you know, George Wilder show question, it's obviously going to get my attention. That's my real email address. You know, I ain't shy and would love to be able to either answer folks' questions or connect them yeah, to a resource. Yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, beautiful. There, there are lots of other people who might be able to help you or a listener, yeah. you know, solve their comedy issue. And, you know, I love and, this part about connecting with the rest of the world and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Chuck. Folks, um, so. Chuck, once the show is over, I'm gonna uh, probably send you a link to the show on Facebook. That this show that you're doing, I'll send you a link to it so you can put it up and people can come by on your website uh, and listen to you on the show talking about uh, what you do. Is that good? Oh, you're so great. Thank you for being so organized. <laughs> uh, I'm grateful no to talk to Chicago. Uh, it's a yeah. super comedy city. And yeah. uh, I believe you guys it all is. have it is. a zany downtown. I, I believe Steppenwolf. Yeah. Yep. You know, so all kinds of great comedy has come out of uh, Chicago, yeah. and uh, I think they're lucky to have your show as well. All right. I want to thank you for being on the show, Chuck Royal, comedian on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks a lot, and I'll get that oh, link yeah. out to you as soon as possible. You're welcome, sir. Thanks for your time today. Bye bye. Chuck Roy on the George Wilder Jr. Freedom, this is what I call freedom.
If Donald Trump hadn't been running for president, do you believe this deal would have been made with AMI? Knowing what you know now. Probably not. No. Probably not. You're pretty convinced you're convinced now this was an effort to do a favor for Donald Trump in the last few months of the presidential race. Unfortunately, yes. Karen McDougal talking to Anderson Cooper this spring about the efforts by AMI and the National Enquirer to pay her to not talk about any relationship she had with Donald Trump. We want to talk about that now in the wake of this Michael Cohen tape with our chief legal analyst, Dan Abrams, attorney Michael Avenatti, who represents Stormy Daniels in her case against President Trump, and Alan Dershowitz, professor emeritus at Harvard Law School and author of the new book, The Case Against Impeaching Trump. Professor Dershowitz, let me begin with you. Now, this tape uh, reported in the New York Times, first picked up by, by us in the Washington Post on Friday, purportedly about a two-minute conversation between Michael Cohen and Donald Trump, September 2016, talking about buying up the rights to Karen McDougal's story from AMI. We've seen the first response from the president. He says it's inconceivable the government would break into a lawyer's office early in the morning, almost unheard of. Even more inconceivable that a lawyer would tape a client, totally unheard of and perhaps illegal. The good news is that your favorite president did nothing wrong. You also heard Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer, say that the tape was exculpatory. Is that how you see it? No, I think it's ambiguous. I don't know who leaked it. If anybody in the Trump organization leaked it, it was for short-term benefit, but very, very serious long-term implications. There are waiver issues involved, waiving lawyer-client privilege, not only waiving it as to this tape, but if there are other tapes, uh, it's possible it was leaked by people within the Cohen camp. Uh, it's unlikely it was leaked by uh, government officials because there's a court order and it was in the possession essentially of a former judge appointed by Kimball Wood. So I think the first mystery is who leaked it and what advantage did they think they were going to get from leaking it. I don't see any particular advantage to the Trump claims uh, based on this tape. I think if you have something that's positive, you wait until you see the whole thing in context. And then you put it out together 
in a systematic way. This is ambiguous at well, best. Well, I, I could flip that around. CNBC is reporting, actually, that it came from the Trump camp. But let me bring that to, uh, to you, Dan Abrams. I could imagine uh, the Trump camp would want it out thinking, bad news, get it out early. Yeah, and, and address it, and Giuliani can say it's exculpatory. But the only way that this is exculpatory is if literally President Trump is on that tape saying, $150,000? Why would we want to pay her $150,000? I didn't have a relationship with pay her. Pay AMI. Oh, yeah. pay, pay AMI or anything related to Karen McDougal. I mean, you want to stay exculpatory, then that's what's got to be on that tape. It's sort of shock, confusion, sort of saying, what, why would we be paying this? And that's not the impression that I get that's on that tape. So the question becomes, um, you know, is this just a potential problem for President Trump or is there a potential legal problem? I think those are the two issues. Correspondence is your case, Michael Avenatti, as well. I guess this was taking place a few weeks before the deal was reached with Stormy, Stormy Daniels back in 2016. In, in both cases, the Trump camp, with the Karen McDougal case, they said they knew nothing about what AMI was doing. In the first reports about the Stormy Daniels payment, it was all that Michael Cohen did it all by himself. How does this change your case? Well, I think it changes our case in, in a big way, George, in that, first of all, this is not the only tape. I can tell you that for a fact. There's multiple tapes. You don't uh, know that there are more tapes of President Trump, though. No, I do know there's more tapes of President Trump. There's multiple tapes of President Trump, number one. All right, so that, that's first of all. Um, and it, that ultimately is going to prove to be a big problem for the president. You know, that old adage, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, is going to be true in this case because the president knew that his attorney, Michael Cohen, had a predisposition towards taping conversations with people. Um, and Cohen had, had shared tapes with the president along the way during the 10 years of legal representation. Donald Trump knew better, and uh, it's shocking to me that, that he now expresses shock about being taped. So that's number one. Number two, this shows that the president knew that these payments were being made prior to the election. He was a participant in it. He was advising as to how it was going to be done. And none of that is going to prove to be helpful to him or Michael Cohen, especially as it relates to campaign finance violations. Does it change your stance towards Michael Cohen? Well, this particular disclosure does not change our stance towards Michael Cohen, but there's been an evolution of our position towards Michael Cohen uh, recently. I think that's fair to say. And, and let's be clear, it, it wasn't illegal for Michael Cohen to make this One-party consent. Right. But it may have been unethical. I mean, that's a separate question. People have to separate out right. the question of what is your legal obligation, meaning can you be charged with a crime for it? The answer to that is no. The separate question is could he get in trouble with the Bar Association for what he did? Absolutely. I think the only way he could possibly defend having made this recording is either to say that Donald Trump knew, which it doesn't seem was the case, um, or somehow he was protecting himself, right? If he's going to say, I thought Donald Trump was potentially committing a crime here, and so I had to protect myself, well, if neither of those are the case, then there really isn't any defense for him in making the recording. I, I want to bring that to Alan Dershowitz. Those are the vulnerabilities for Michael Cohen. The other possibility, though, is that this could end up helping him if he chooses to try to cooperate with prosecutors either in the Southern District or with Robert Mueller? Well, there's no question that he's holding out the possibility of cooperating. He's holding it out so that both the president can hear it and possibly take some actions, namely a pardon, and he's holding it out for the prosecutors as well. But I have a question for Michael Avenatti. How do you know that there are other tapes? 
you're not in a position where you could possibly know that properly. How do you know there are other tapes involving the President of the United States? Are you privy to what was seized from the office? That's a, that's a very important question. I wish you'd answer it. Well, Alan, I'm not going to answer your question because I don't have to answer your question. I didn't but, think but, so. well, suffice it to say, Alan, that my uh, my accuracy rate over the last six months has been a heck of a lot better than yours as it relates to this matter and a whole no, host I'm of... Not, I'm not getting wait, wait, into anything no, 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 personal. Please I just want to know please don't how you me. know it, because Alan, it's Alan, very important. Alan, Alan, please don't interrupt me, okay? My, my accuracy rate over the last six months um, has been spot on in this case. And let me tell you this, if I'm wrong, um, then why don't we have Mr. Trump or his attorneys come forward today, right now, and claim there are no other tapes. You're not going to hear no, that because is, you're not going to hear that because there are other tapes. Period. You missed my point. My point is you're probably, if you're right, if you're right, we have a real problem. Not if you're wrong. If we're right, then you have access to information that's supposed to be sealed and supposed to be secret. How do you have that information? How are you right? How did you get that information that nobody else knows? You're not in a position where you have been given that information properly. So I think you do have an obligation to answer well, that question. I, well, I, could, I would think that he could have had access to the information before even this investigation into Cohn began. I don't know the, the answer to that. That's just my guess, is that it hasn't always been a criminal investigation, and apparently this has been happening, according to Michael Avenatti, for years. That's one possibility. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just playing analyst here. <laughs> even though analyst he, exactly, he knows the lawyer, actual right? answer. Well, I'm guessing. Let, let, let me answer. Yeah. We don't have to guess. He knows the <laughs> well, answer. Alan, right? Alan, let me say this. All of the information that the FBI seized, that's not under lock and key. The only way that it would be improper for me to have it is if I got it from the FBI or somebody in law enforcement. There's a, there's a host of other ways I could have obtained that information. But look, how? if how? I'm wrong, how? Well, I could have received it from Michael Cohen. I could have received it from one of Michael Cohen's counsel. I could have received it from others. There's a, there's a host of ways I could have obtained it. But look, Alan, here's the bottom line. If I'm wrong about it, then why doesn't somebody come forward no, right now? About please, it. please don't interrupt me. If I'm, right about, if I'm wrong about it, let somebody come forward and state point. that I'm wrong. Have you heard the tape? Uh, you're missing my point. You're right about it, and you shouldn't have the information. It raises deep questions about how you have access to information that Judge Kimber Wood uh, gave to a judge, a former judge, to investigate in secret because it's potentially lawyer client information. Alan, do you know what Michael Cohen has shared with me? I, I don't, but I Thank think you. we should know that. I, I, mean, I, I want to follow up on this so just a little bit. You, that you know now. there are okay. tapes. Do you know what's on the tapes? I know the substance of some of the tapes, yes. And what you've also mentioned, saying you, your relationship with Michael Cohen is evolving. What did you mean by that? Well, exactly what I said. I mean, I think that, that uh, I ran into Michael Cohen at a restaurant in New York City on Monday. We had a conversation. I thought it was very fruitful. Uh, and we've continued to have a dialogue. And I think that ultimately, George, Michael Cohen is going to, to assist us in our search for the truth and disclosure of what happened here. I think, I think you've seen an evolution by Michael Cohen over the last month or so with uh, the retention of Lanny Davis and others. I think he's ready to tell the truth, and ultimately I think he's going to cooperate with us as it relates to our search for the truth.
But remember that he's not allowed to cooperate with anybody if there's lawyer-client privileged material. He's not permitted to give you that information, yes. even if he'd like to, if it's lawyer-client. He doesn't own it. It's owned by the client. And, the but as, as you know, that's Alan, why, in terms of this yeah. tape, the, 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 the privilege was actually waived by the president. Only as, only as to that one tape, yeah. not as to other tapes. They were very I careful about that. And that's important. Look, I taught legal ethics for 30 years. These are very, very important and difficult ethical issues and I think we're entitled to get to the bottom of whether or not Cohen is revealing lawyer-client material information, what the nature of the cooperation is. These are all issues that transcend this particular case and go to the legitimacy of the legal process. I want to ask a final question to Dan Abrams. Is AMI facing any legal vulnerability? I, I'd, be, I'd be very concerned uh, if I were AMI. I mean, we've already seen that mm -hmm. the Department of Justice is not treating them the way that they typically would a news organization. Um, and you really have to
welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I hope you uh, listened to that uh, clip earlier of Michael Avenatti saying that there was more tapes, more tapes, and now I'm finding out he was correct. He's 80%. If you're following uh, uh, Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenatti, you, you'll know that this guy is either – he's right either 80 to 90% of the time about whatever he's saying because now federal prosecutors – is saying that federal prosecutors have received more than 12 tapes, more than 12 audio tapes that Alan Dershowitz was trying to deny. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? He's a, that's another lap dog for Donald Trump, Alan Dershowitz. Well, I've been studying law for 30 years, ethical uh, law for 30 years, and, and I know. No, you did not. The young man knew, Michael Avenatti. And he's right. There's more tapes, more damaging tapes. Trump has got to be indicted somewhere. <laughs> Somebody's got to, if, if, okay, federal prosecutors have received 12 audio tapes seized from the President Trump's former lawyer, Mike, Michael Cohen. You remember that raid that they did on Michael Cohen's office, his home and his hotel, and seized so much evidence. It's a shame. Donald Trump is Suddenly, since then, Donald Trump, even before then, Donald Trump is still trying to distract you from a lot of this stuff. He says shit just to distract you. Oh, we're going to uh, revoke clearances, security clearances uh, from 12 high officials, 12 high officials, former and and uh, uh, now and former uh, uh, employees. That's just a distraction away from, from all of this other mess. He, he loves to distract. Donald Trump loves power. He loves doing uh, executive orders. He loves uh, threatening people. He loves to see people do what he wants them to do. He loves that. He thrives on that. He cares nothing about anything but himself. He is not beholden to the Republican Party. He is not uh, beholden to the Democratic Party. He is not beholden to any party. Donald Trump is beholden to Donald Trump. That's it in a nutshell. Okay, federal prosecutors have received 12 audio tape seeds from President Donald Trump's I don't like to call Donald Trump president because I don't think he is. I think he's a fake president. There's no doubt about it. Russia helped him win, so that makes him a fake president. Uh, but other people are calling him president. You know, some, I, I made a mistake and called him that, but I'm sorry. He is not my president. Special master, okay, special master Barbara Jones, who, that's what it says, special master Barbara Jones, who was assigned to review these items from Cohen by the FBI earlier this year said that 12 audio tapes were released to federal investigations, investigators and prosecutors on Friday, though the content of the tape, tapes are unclear. I think Avenatti said that Donald Trump is on more than one tape. And, that, and Trump is trying to say it's illegal to tape him without his consent. But Avenatti is arguing that is not true. For a number of reasons. Even other attorneys are saying that's not true for a number of reasons. Trump knew that he was being taped. He knew it. He's lying and say he wasn't known. He knew he was being taped because that's all he ever done. 
they taped each other to have some leverage on one another in case <laughs> the other one spilled the beans or or, or turned against uh, that individual. So they knew. They knew. All right. Um, last week, the news broke that Cohen had secretly recorded a conversation with Trump in 2016 in which they discussed payments to a former Playboy model who said she had an affair with Trump. Michael Avenatti, the attorney of the other woman who says she had an affair with Trump. Adult film star Stormy Daniels said last Wednesday that tapes with inappropriate conversations between himself and Trump. And I mean, if you heard Donald Trump speak, especially in the Access Hollywood tapes, you know that this is true. This is Donald Trump. Okay, I'm quoting here. Our understanding is that our understanding is there are countless hours of recordings of conversation between Michael Cohen and others. Avenatti said the conversations include conversations with Mr. Trump. Cohen paid Daniels $130, $130,000, pardon me, as a part of a non-disclosure agreement signed weeks before the 2016 election. Okay, he paid her that money so he could, no doubt about it, so he could uh, shut her up. She is currently suing him in an attempt to avoid that agreement. Good luck on that, right? Good luck on that. So they're saying that there's more tapes out there. Okay, and uh, Ellen Dershowitz Dersh- was trying to say, no, there's not any more tapes. What did you find them at? That's not constitutional. But this guy, uh, Avenatti, is, uh, he seemed like he's straight up on the, uh, on the ball here. All righty. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Or are you just listening? Okay. All righty. Okay, that is something. That is something. That is something. I don't know. A lot of people saying, well, this is Trump is going to. (laughs) He's going down one way or another, but it's taking so long. It's taking really a long time. It is really beautiful outside, folks. I'm in my studio here and I have a great big window in front of me. I can see outside and I can see the people going by and they can see and everything and everything. And it's just so beautiful outside. It's just one of those evenings where you want to be outside uh, and enjoying nature. It's just one of those times where you want, you want to be outside um, taking it all in. Because guess what? Winter's coming. Well, we have fall yet to get to, but, you know, it's it's coming. So, you know, especially uh, older Americans, get out there and do something and uh, – Enjoy life, you know. Don't let what's going on in the world or America get you down. Enjoy yourself. You know, it's only one of you, and uh, we're all going to die. So get out there and enjoy yourself. Be a part of it. Smile, look around, and thank you, lucky stars, that you're here and that you can enjoy this. Try not to let some of the noise that's going on in the world get you down because it will. Sit around crying, feeling depressed. Uh, out of it, uh, feeling as though you're not a part of it, feeling helpless. You're not. Nobody's helpless. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And we're going to do this, and we will be right back. Um, I do have someone in the queue, but I think they're probably just listening. 
which is cool. That's great. And uh, as I said from the beginning, uh, federal prosecutors have received 12 more audio tapes seized in the Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, uh, a few months ago in a raid. So I don't know. I've been saying this for months. I think Trump is going down. I think there's no way he can survive all of this. He's just um, this. Everything is he's distracting uh, from just about everything there is. He's going to distract from this. He's always distracting from one scandal to the to another one. But to me, it's not distraction. It's just shit that's piling up on him. That's all it is. It's just stuff that's piling up on him, and uh, you know, and uh, he can't survive. I don't know how he. I don't know how he. Uh, does it? I mean, if this was, if all this stuff was piling up on anybody else, they'd probably resign right now. There's so much stuff surrounding Donald Trump, and it keeps on increasing as other people try to defend him, as which I think some of the things they try to defend him on is totally indefensible. There's no defending this, especially if when there's lots and lots of evidence of this going on, but people would defend him anyway. But uh, this is just phenomenal uh, that there's there's other tapes out there, folks. There are other tapes out there with Donald Trump's voice on it that's going to incriminate him. But, you know, but America is, whatever Donald Trump is going through, America is going through, and it's awful. It is totally, totally awful. And, you know, and um, I think we're going to be right back. We're going to do something. We're going to do Maggie uh, Haberman, and she's got a lot to say about Donald Trump trying to to discredit her because of what she wrote in uh, the paper. So, Maggie, how was your weekend? Oh, it was my daughter's birthday on Saturday. Was it? That's so nice. I'm glad you had Thank lots of time and breathing room to celebrate that. Amidst the tweet storm yeah. that focused in part on you, in part right. on Michael Cohen, so let me just read one of the president's 24 tweets this weekend, the one that relates to you. Uh, The New York Times and a third-rate reporter named Maggie Haberman, known as a crooked H. Flunky, who I don't speak to and have nothing to do with, are going out of their way to destroy Michael Cohen and his relationship with me in the hope that he will flip. They use non-existent, quote, sources. And a drunk, drugged-up loser who hates Michael... A fine person. That is a, not you, Maggie. By the way, who is that? Thank with you. a wonderful person, uh, with a wonderful family. Uh, Michael is a businessman for his own account lawyer, huh? who I have always liked and respected. Most people will flip if the government lets them out of trouble, even if it means lying or making up stories. Sorry, I don't see Michael doing that, despite the horrible witch hunt capitalized and the dishonest media. He was upset about your reporting about the the pickle that Michael Cohen is in, right? What, how do you explain how exercised he was? Well, I think that this is a topic, as we've discussed here over several mornings, uh, is, is one that uh, is hitting a nerve with him. I think that he, is, he and his lawyers are very anxious about the Southern District investigation into Michael Cohen. That is right now more of an imminent threat than the Robert Mueller uh, special counsel probe is. Um, the president, uh, I, look, the story was really not about uh, you know, destroying their relationship. The president has destroyed their relationship pretty handily on his own over a very long period of time, and that is what the story was about, which is that he has been um, 
he is abusive, according to almost everyone I speak to, to, to most people in his orbit, and family is not accepted um, from that. But, but he is particularly abusive to Cohen over the years. And then the question becomes, does that come back to haunt him at this point? I, I do not believe that that would be um, an only factor in Cohen's mind. Only Michael Cohen obviously knows what he is thinking of doing. Because he's been um, so loyal, despite the verbal been, abuse correct. and despite the disrespect, correct. he's been so loyal. So correct. obviously that hasn't bothered him to that degree in the past. Well, or at least there wasn't sort of the, the presentation of his life or the president's life right. in front of him before. And that, I think, is what is going to, prosecutors are going to hand him. Right. And look, right. Let, you know, let's just be clear about what's going on. You know, Maggie, uh, better than anybody, we're nowhere near the idea of Michael Cohen being presented with any kind of offer yeah. to have to do anything. Correct. We know there's an investigation. Uh, I still don't understand what the charges would be. Right. Uh, reading right. everything through, I, I don't even know what it is yet. So we're going to have to see what it is. No, but that it's, a very good, it's a very good point. That's that true. the president is not uh, preoccupied right. with this. That's why he'd go after you. Everybody mm -hmm. knows his, um, his description of your relationship and who you are is silly. Uh, there are few reporters that he's given more access to. We know what he's saying isn't true. But it is a clear reflection of what's going on with him. Mm. Now, are we going to have this situation be once again where he's flooded the zone with so much BS that we don't look at each of it individually? Because this is a man who has pledged to take the opioid mm -hmm. um, crisis real, to treat addiction in a mm -hmm. way that no president has before. We know he has to be talking about Sam Nunberg, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody else fits the description of Correct. being anyone who would be connected in any way to any kind of uh, problems with addiction except for him. Um, and again, maybe it's speculation, maybe it isn't, <clears throat> but that's true. Mm -hmm. Should he be held to account, the President of the United States, for referring to somebody as a drugged-up drunk when he says he wants to mm -hmm. give attention to addiction, treat these mm -hmm. people with respect, treat them as sick, help with the problem, because he just identified the problem. Mm -hmm. He is the problem. The stigma is a big part of the problem in really? changing how we deal with it. I know all the other stuff is great political intrigue, no, but, but should we focus on that? I, I totally agree with you. Yes, we should. I mean, this is somebody who, a huge driver for his election, both in the primaries and in the general election, was concerned about the opioid crisis, um, the spread of addiction, the lack of treatment, the lack of options. He was very good at going to events and sort of sounding a note of compassion, calling someone a drugged-up loser on Twitter, and especially then creating this kind of, who is it? Is it Sam Nunberg? Is it someone else game? Um, that is the opposite, and that is something um, that people who have been uh, working in the field of addiction for a very long time. What's the biggest factor when voters go to the polls tomorrow? Joining us now to talk about that are CNN.
me down before I go to sleep. In a troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep, keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the Starting at 6, 8, 6 p.m. Chicago time. We're just about off the air right now. I want to thank everybody. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend. Have a great day. Whatever comes first when you find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, whatever comes first, uh, enjoy your day. Enjoy your time. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join me tomorrow, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, 6 to 7 30 p.m., sometimes 8. Depends on what's going on in the show. I want to thank everybody. My guest, uh, comedian Chuck Roy. Uh, I want to thank him very much and uh, uh, everybody who helped to put on the show every each and every day, one of Chicago's finest. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Thanks thanks so much for listening, and have a great evening, or weekend, whatever. Bye-bye.